Hi, this is Feed, Play, Love, the parenting podcast that you can fit in your pocket. Short, informative and interesting interviews about everything from toilet training to how emotion coaching works. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. The next interview is one of the diamonds from our archive. Enjoy. As parents, we tend to talk a lot about our kids' screen time and we feel guilty about it. We think about the digital babysitter. But if I'm really honest, what I'm worried about is my own addiction to my phone. Dr. Christy Goodwin is a children's brain and technology researcher. She's here to talk about the importance of parents as role models and to kind of pick apart our own digital addictions. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi. Well, thank you. I know addiction sounds like a really serious, full-on word, but I do feel a bit addicted. Yeah. I tend to steer clear of that word because I think there's so many neg- negative connotations with it. I admit I have a digital dependence or a bit of an unhealthy digital habit. And I think when we <laughs> couch it in that language, we can ditch some of the guilt and the negative associations and then just start to look at why that's the case and what we can do to perhaps develop a healthier um, relationship with our digital gadgets. I know that I check my phone a lot. Yep. Do you have any idea, I know, are there statistics anywhere about how much? So So a study was done about three years ago. So again, old research, given that we're now, I think, even more tethered to our devices. But it suggested that the average adult is checking their phone 150 times a day. (laughs) It's crazy. It is really crazy. And I think when we stop to realise how we have become infatuated with our screens, it helps us as parents to understand why our kids become obsessed with technology as well and why they you know, combust when we ask them to turn it off and why we have the techno tantrums. So these devices really captivate our attention. Um, so you're not the only one. If you're, you're checking out a lot of them, if you're really good or really bad. That's right. We're going but to hell can, in a uh, handbasket. Totally. But you can actually, believe it or not, that if you're worried, if you're not sure whether you're sort of entering dangerous territory with your phone infatuation, um, believe it or not, there are apps that can actually monitor. Because there um, there's apps for everything. Um, but you can actually use some apps to monitor um, how much time you're spending online and just how many times you're checking it. And if you don't have the self-control to sort of enforce your own limits, you can use these apps, believe it or not, to sort to sort of start to help you develop healthier habits with your phone use as well. My thing about technology, and I talk about this a lot, is that I feel like in some ways our generation of parents have almost been sleepwalking into this kind of relationship with our phones because we didn't grow up with it. Nobody was educated about it. And we tend as a society when new technology comes along to go, oh, it's great. Yep. It's democratizing. It's this and that and the other. And then down the track, we look and see the potential impacts that kind of attitude has. Do you think that's where we're at as adults that we're like, oh, you know, the phone, we all use our phone. And then we hear we're checking it 150 times and we're like, whoa, that sounds a bit full on. Yeah, look. Our smartphones, most of us have only been using for a relatively short period of time, if we look as a society, about 10 years. And there's always been moral panic. You know, when new technologies are introduced, we often, you know, there's a lot of scaremongering. But I think the interesting thing with technology is it has come along and it is changing, you know, exponentially. And we have um, organically embraced it in our life. So it literally is omnipresent. It travels with us. Some of us sleep with it. Um, some of us now even shower with it. Um, there are waterproof protective cases for our devices. We are that digitally dependent on them. Um, And I think you're exactly right. We haven't really had a moment to pause and go, hang on, this 
device is penetrating my life at every level, um, I think we have exactly like you have said, just passively accepted that it's part of our lives. And we're the first generation. We've got no frame of reference when it comes to raising kids in this tsunami of screens, when it comes to being a parent in this screen saturated world. We can't think back to how our parents raised us. We can't even think to how our friends with slightly older kids um, handled situations as well. So it's really uncharted territory. And I think we're all sort of looking around for some guidance, realistic guidance too, not you know, people making you feel guilty, um, but looking for some guidance as to how to use it and develop those healthy habits. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I'm speaking with Dr. Christy Goodwin. She's a children's brain and technology researcher. And we're shifting the focus from our kids to ourselves in this conversation about our own digital dependencies. Um, We were just talking then, Christy, about how we can sleep so we've sort of sleep, slept walked. No, that's not right. We've been sleepwalking into this. Um, and now we turn around and think, oh, maybe this is, this is a bit much. But when we talk about something being a bit much, let's say the 150 times we check our phones, is the main impact of that that we're constantly distracted or are there other things happening in our brains when we we keep going back to the phone so often? Look, there are definitely neurobiological and psychological drivers to explain why we do it. So one of the issues is it's what we're missing out on. So it's the opportunity cost. You know, 150 times a day means there's we're not doing something else. So that that's one of the issues. But I think one of the reasons why we do it, um, let's be honest, our phones are a pleasurable experience. We watch funny things. We read interesting information. So our brain gives us hits of dopamine. So we feel good. So we obviously want to do more and more of it. So that's where that dependence um, comes from. I think um, our phones also cater for our basic human psychological drivers. We want to feel as humans, we want to connect with other people. We have this biological driver for what we call relational connectedness. We want to feel like we belong. And when we're on social media or when we're playing video games with others, we get that sense of belonging and community. Um, and so our phones are catering for that those, those drivers. We also want to feel really competent. And let's be really honest, as parents, there are very few day parts of <laughs> the day where we actually feel competent but on our phones we you know we only ever display the highlight reel on social media no one ever portrays or very few people portray the b-roll footage of their lives so we can display a life where we feel competent and we play video games or we engage in online forums so we can get that sense of feeling competent and the third thing that our phones cater for is this sense of control and we all know as parents there are very few times in the day where you have any locus of control what's going on and the minute you think that you do have control over your life as a parent, someone has a nappy explosion or a lost a lost piece of clothing. So our phones cater for those drivers. So I think that's partly why um, we like them so much. And I think when we understand that, it can help us sort of curtail our, our behaviour. So we've all seen the um, posts about letter to mum on her phone in the <laughs> playground or letter to woman who wrote letter to woman on phone in the playground. <laughs> I mean, I know that your approach, Christy, is to ditch the guilt and that this is a part of our lives now. And you've mentioned the opportunity cost. But is there anything that this kind of dependency is contributing to? Like, I'm thinking about my own use here. Yep. I have an inability to be bored. Can you I say know? you're not the only one? They've, they've, <laughs> they've done a study and it was a really interesting study. They asked adults to sit in a room and be bored for seven to 15 minutes. Now, as a 
time poor mum. That just sounds like bliss to me. <laughs> but they had to end the study prematurely because the adult participants showed signs of psychological distress because they could not be bored for that 7 to 15 <laughs> minutes. So they went back and they repeated the study and in iteration two, they got ethics approval. So instead of the participants being subject to psychological distress, they were given the option of self-administering a small electric shock oh in goodness. lieu of being bored. And not surprisingly, a vast majority, 39% of men, I think it was, and 24% of women gave themselves an electric shock in lieu of being bored. So we have lost the art of boredom. And boredom is so important for our brains, not just for our kids. I think we all know as parents, we often say, it's good to be bored. It really is. But I think as adults, we have become conditioned to busyness and we have been conditioned to being tethered to our devices that we don't know what boredom looks like. And when we're bored, we enter something neuroscientists call mind-wandering mode. We used to call it daydreaming. And it's where we literally let our minds wander, but we never get to do that. You know, we used to sit at the bus stop and daydream, or you'd get in an elevator and talk to somebody. But now we are so, you know, dependent on our devices that we're not doing that. So that I think is a real risk because we know that, you know, that mind wandering develops creativity and it's good for our mental health and well-being. Our brain needs a break. And what about, um, I was just thinking, because when you mentioned that as parents, that idea, that feeling of control and being on top of things, that's what our phone gives us. Mm. Is that actually a good thing? You know, because sometimes we can go, oh. You know? I think it is. I, I think we need to make sure that our cup is full. As parents, we're often focused on our kids' well-being. We need to make sure that parents' mental health is taken care of. And I think a lot of the time, one of the reasons we know that many um, new mums like spending so much time on, on social media sites and on, on mum platforms is that so many of them don't have that community that they used to have. So they're gravitating. I want to feel like I belong and I'm connected. My phone gives me that sense of I'm connection. I'm not at home alone, Dealing sitting in my with, lounge room yeah. trying to blow raspberries for 24 hours. That's exactly what I was going to say. If we're really honest, I'm a mum and I know there are some, I love being a mum and I wouldn't swap it for the world, but there are some aspects of parenting that are downright tedious, that are downright monotonous. And our phone is that escape. So I think if we come up with a balance, you know, we need to be mindful that we're not always tethered to it. I'm not saying abstain from it completely around your kids, but you know, if we want to make sure we're not missing what I call the micro moments, you know, if we're at on our device, the whole swimming lesson and our kids look up, an occasional wink is really important. But then again, you know, our mums used to sit at swimming lessons and read magazines and newspapers or a good old fashioned book. Um, so I think it's just new new territory that we're chartering and we're trying to come up with, I guess, the rules of the rules and the guidelines and goalposts. So is there, I mean, you were just speaking then about the, um, what we might miss of our children if we're kind of lost in our, the rabbit hole of Facebook or whatever. What impact does does it have on our kids yeah. seeing us do it? We've got, there's probably about five studies that I'm aware of that have their ethnographic studies. So are actually looking, you know, parents' use of smartphones in food courts and so real authentic environments. And they have found, interestingly, um, that it changes the dynamic between kids. So a study was done by Boston University a couple of years ago. And what they found was that the vast majority of parents use their device in the food court. I don't think we need research to tell us that. Um, <laughs> but what they noticed was that the relationship between the child 
child and the parent changed. So the parents often had more frustrated engagements with their kids. Um, they got upset that their child was distracting them. One participant was even seen kicking their child under the table um, because the child was trying to get their attention. So it is changing our relationship. Um, Common Sense Media released a study last year and they found that 54% of kids said that they wish their parents used their devices less. So our kids wow. are seeing it. Um, and, and then think, we turn around and say to them, get off your smartphone. That's the irony. Your... We're the one barking screen time orders for our kids from behind our phone or our tablet. Um, so I think I, I don't, it's not about making parents feel guilty and, and scaring parents. I think it's just about us being aware of our screen use. And for a lot of us, our work life has now crept onto our phone as well. So I think it's being gentle on ourselves and acknowledging this is new territory. We're all trying to figure it out as we go on the fly. Um, and, and not to be too concerned. Alert, but not alarmed. Well, it's kind of being, it's about being self-aware, isn't it, totally. really? Because that whole idea of sleepwalking and accepting it as a natural part of life means that you don't reflect and go, actually, why don't I see what it's like without checking my phone? Have you got any tips then on how we can work out as adults what is healthy use of our devices and putting in some boundaries for ourselves. You mentioned that app, which is yes. a good start. So there's a couple. So there's um, for iOS users, there's one called In The Moment. Um, for another um, Android users, there's one called Break Free. Um, so they call those names. They're good names, aren't they? And there's <laughs> yeah. one more um, called Quality Time. <laughs> the Quality Time app. Um, but they work on various platforms. So they can help you monitor. So if you're really not sure, and I think for many people, it's when they go, my goodness, I, you know, I am spending nearly eight and a uh, common sense media found that adults are spending over nine hours with screens a day. Now, a lot of that is obviously for work, but let's be honest, a lot of that is in the social media vortex or, you know, on other non-work related activities. So what I found works for me is I've really tried to compartmentalize my time. So I can get lost in social media and I can justify it because I'm doing work. Um, <laughs> I'm always on Facebook, my husband thinks, for work. Yeah. Um, but what I found is having dedicated times of the day. So I've got social media hours that I try to stick to. I have about three times of the day, sometimes it's more, but where I really try to compartmentalize that use. Um, something that's also been a really simple strategy, um, but has worked incredibly incredibly well is out of sight, out of mind. Literally putting my phone out of reach and out of eyesight um, means that I don't reach for it the minute I've got some white space or the chance to be bored or the minute my kids, you know, are arguing or I'm looking yes. for some solace in my <laughs> um, phone. So out of sight, compartmentalizing um, our use and, and asking yourself, my biggest fear is that we perhaps as a generation of parents navigating this train is that we'll look back in 10 years and think, I missed a lot of my kids' childhood because I was consumed with my device. So I forward trip and I think, what would future Christy like to remember? And I'm not saying never use phones. You know, I wouldn't get through half my work if I didn't use it around my kids. But it's about thinking, am I constantly being driven by this device? I call it not being a slave to the screen, but being a master of it ourselves. So if we're in control, I think we're in a better position. Christy, that is great advice. Thank you so much Pleasure. for coming in. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.